you to open your Bibles this morning to the fourth chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 23 through 31 today. It's an interesting topic. I've read this story many times. I don't think I've ever used it as a text and preached from it, but we want to look at it today and see what we can learn and apply into our lives from the Word of God today. You know, God has given to us weapons to make us more powerful, more effective, uh, to secure us to, for our defense, for our offense, and we're to use those weapons. The weapons of our warfare, he tells us in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians, he said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of the flesh, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And, and so they're mighty weapons that pull down strongholds. Satan wants to hold us back with strongholds in our life and keep us from being effective. One of the greatest unused resources that we have, one of the greatest weapons that we have that is unused, I think, or underused, is prayer. You know, sometimes we pray or we, we uh, send some things up, but I don't know if, it's, if we're effective in our prayer. James says the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means women too. The, the, the species of mankind, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so we know that it can be effective, it can, it can accomplish a lot, but we just need to use it. If we never use it, then what good is it? And the other thing is, is we need to learn how to use it effectively. And so we know that various things happen in our life, and, you know, I mean, troubles come, troubles go. Um, it, all God's children got problems. All, God, all God's children got troubles, you know. That's nothing new. Uh, it's happened. It's happening back when Jesus walked the face of the earth. It happens now. So that's really not new to God. And uh, so what he's given to us, what he's already initiated and given to us, we find in the Word of God, is effective for our lives now. We don't have to have something new from God. Uh, it worked back then. I mean, taxes back in those days sometimes were 50, 55 percent. That's Praise God that we're not under that type of tax burden. Um, you know, persecution was far greater than what it is now for recognizing Christ and being a Christian. Some countries today, people are being persecuted. When we were in India, they have an anti-conversion law, and um, we were able to preach there. You know, we'd witnessed two different ones and sent the little cab drivers of those little three-wheel Cushman things um, you know, you, when you have daily conversation, and, and Jerry and Mary, when they were there as missionaries, they would just talk with these uh, different cab drivers and stuff until they finally wanted to, they wanted to know, well, what God do you serve? And they would tell them, and so they would become a Christian. And when they become a Christian, it uh, ended up that three of them got killed as a result of becoming Christians. That's people, that's people we knew. That's some guys that we saw when we were there in India. We don't see that happening here. So thank God for what we for the times that we do live in, and the troubles that we have, there's nothing that's too difficult for God. Paul says that no temptation has taken you, that is, that's not common to man, and he says, and with that temptation or that trial, he makes a way of escape. So he, he's already provided a way for us to get out of that difficulty or that, that, that temptation. In our text today, we find that Peter and John had been arrested because they were preaching the gospel. They were out witnessing for Christ, and so they'd been arrested. They were thrown in jail, and they were questioned and, per and persecuted. And um, so they ended up being released, and that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people 
and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Politics and, and governmental authority was just as bad then as it is now, even back in David's day. Verse 27, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this day or in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power uh, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and, here's their, their request, enable your servants to speak your word with great holy boldness, stretch out your hand to heal, and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Wow. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word today, we ask that you make it alive to our hearts. Let us speak the word of God today with, with boldness, Father, and stretch out your hand today to heal and to work and perform miraculous signs in our midst as well. Lord, this is our prayer. Father, we give you all praise and glory and thank you for your word. And now illuminate it to our hearts individually and collectively in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think it's pretty interesting that they were being persecuted and difficult things were going. And when they prayed, what did they ask for? They didn't say, oh, Lord, deliver us from these evil men and just strike them dead. Just strike these men dead and let us have a big church. And, and Lord, give each one of us a, uh, let us each one win the lottery and let us all have money and, and a good car to drive back and forth and just get rid of all our enemies and let everything go fine for us and, and we'll be happy. I didn't see him asking for that. Lord, just touch every one of my kids and just make my kids just serve you. And, and those are good prayers, right? But that's not what they asked for. When they were pressed as hard as they could be pressed, when their leaders were thrown in jail, they didn't know what to do. When they came together, they asked God, they recognized God and who he is and everything. And they asked, here's what they said. Lord, out of everything we can ask you, here's what we ask you. Let us speak your word with boldness. Wow. Amazing. You know, they say, if you have three wishes, what would you wish for? If you have one thing you could pray for, what would you pray for? And what they prayed for? Boldness to speak his word. My goodness. Boy, they wasted a prayer, didn't they? <laughs> I don't think so. And then they said, and Lord, that you would stretch forth your hand and heal. And, and then it says, and perform miraculous signs and wonders through you, the name of your servant, Jesus. Wow. Father, do these things. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it. If we ask anything according to his will, he, he will give it to us. See, the whole thing is we've got to learn how to ask according to his will and not our will. Amen. That's our problem because most of the time we spend, we waste most of God's time telling him what our will is instead of asking, seeking him for what his will is. And then when we ask, you know, he answers. He will answer every prayer. Most of them probably know. How many of you ask your, your parents for stuff when you were growing up? Did they ever tell you no? Did they ever say, well, wait a while? Did they ever say, well, 
wait a while, or when you get older or something like that? They ever answer that? Did they answer yes sometimes? <laughs> sometimes. We probably remember the no's more than we remember the, the yeses, right? Well, you know, God's the same way, and there's an old country song that says, thank God for unanswered prayer. Well, he really does answer, but he answers them no. You know, he knows what really is good for us, but we need to, if we would spend our time seeking his will, we'd be more effective in our prayers because God has to sit there and weed through all these things. You know, we need to have, the whole thing, the whole point of this is, to me, this is really an old-fashioned prayer meeting. I mean, this is about as old-fashioned as you can get. It goes clear back to the days of, of the, the disciples when they were there. How many of you like to have an old-fashioned prayer meeting? How many of you have ever been in an old-fashioned prayer meeting? It scared most of you half to death. I've been to some old-fashioned prayer meetings, you know. That's when everybody gets together and they just, and they all pray. I remember when I was a kid, the pastor said, okay, let's, let's just all pray. And boys like, sound like thunder in the room. Hey, I, I read some scriptures there in, in Revelation where it talks about thunder and the, the thunders of the heaven. And I think that's the saints of God praying, you know, just praying. And, uh, yeah, it'd probably scare us half to death. But... You know, really, this is the kind of prayer meeting that, God, that moves God. And that's what we need. I think that we talk about in this day and age, we want to see a move of God. Right? We want to see a move of God. We want to see a move of God. Well, we want to see God move. And we want to see something that moves God. And I, I feel like, and I've been, that's what I've been asking God. God, we want to see you move. We want you to move in our midst. You know, what do we need to do to, for you to move in our midst? That's what I've been crying out to. And he says, just pray. Just pray. Just pray. Okay. Well, Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray. So there must be something wrong with how we're praying. Well, we just worship you. Well, he enjoys worship. But if we want to see him move, I mean, that, and that moves him, and he's thrilled at that, and he, he loves that, and he appreciates that, and he wants our worship. Don't get me wrong. But what moves God to, to intervene and take action is when we ask according to his will, then he does something. He waits for us. He stands by and waits for us to ask something in accordance with his will before he intervenes, before he enters the arena of this earth and takes charge. He's delegated to us authority, dominion and authority. Then he says, whatever things you bind or prohibit here on earth will be prohibited in heaven. And whatever you permit here on earth or what, whatever you loose here on earth or, prohibit or permit here on earth will be permitted or loosed in heaven. So he's given to us that authority to bind and loose. He's given to us the keys of the kingdom. Wow, the keys of the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom of God. How do we really use that effectively? By understanding his will and praying according to his will. Now, I'd like to say I always know the will of God, but I don't. I don't always know how to pray in situations. I wish I did. I wish I knew how to pray. So something happened or a situation comes up and, man, I don't know how to pray. And I, that used to really bug me. It used to bum me out. I think, man, who am I? This is horrible. I, need, I'm, I don't know how to pray. I mean, know what to pray for. Until I read what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.26, a man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And if he said, hey, I don't know what to pray for, I thought, Really? I like that, then I must not be in too bad a company. You know, if he doesn't know what to pray for either, or if he never didn't know exactly what to pray for all the time, then okay, then this must be a normal thing, right? Does the devil ever try to beat you up when you don't, when you feel like you're not sure what to pray for? That's okay, that's normal. That's normal, so you're normal, okay? That's good. So don't let him beat you up, just tell him, get out of here, devil. 
you author of confusion? I'm not confused. I know I don't know what to pray for. <laughs> I know I don't know what to pray for. But God tells us the key. Let's discover it here today. Here's the first thing that I noticed. The step one to get God involved in a prayer meeting or to get God involved in our prayers. And this is talking about a corporate prayer here. The st step one is to go to the right place. Go to the right place. The first thing that Je Peter and John did when they got out of prison, they didn't go eat a good hamburger or a good steak someplace. You know, they didn't go see this person. They went to church. The first place that they went when they got out of jail was they went to church. It says in verse 23, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Where were their people? Their people were at church. That's where we need to be. It doesn't surprise me that so many people are sick today. It doesn't surprise me the devil beat the, the snot out of a lot of people today because he doesn't want them to learn how to be effective in prayer. But that doesn't matter. The Bible says when any two agree as touching any one thing, he says, I'm in the midst. Well, there's a whole lot more than two of us here today. Amen? Amen. So the first thing is that they went to the right place. And here's what, basically, in a, to sum it up, it was, we see in this little passage of Scripture here, the crowd that was sought. We see the cause that, that was shared. The crowd that was sought was praying believers. And the cause that was shared was to pray the will of God together. And it was a place of great unity. It was a place of, of great understanding. You being united together because that's what made the difference. Unity. Satan will try to come and sow discord is what the Bible says in, in, the, in the saints, between the saints. If we can get out of agreement, then we can't pray together. If unity is broken, we can't walk together. The Bible says, how shall two walk together lest they be agreed? Now, we can agree to disagree on some things. Right? Then we'd be agreed, right? I remember we used to do a radio program called Explaining the Bible, and there was three pastors together, and we'd have a guest. And so there was a Methodist pastor and a Catholic priest and me and then whoever else that was visiting from a different churches. And so people would try to pit us against each other, you know, doctrine and different things like that. And we agreed that we were going to disagree. But we would share from what, our, what uh, we believe, the doctrine that we believe from the Word of God to different ones to, to let them see how we believe. And it was just amazing, but people would always try to get us to disagree. And we said, well, we've already agreed that we're going to disagree. So we're going to be in agreement. So because we had to be in agreement, God brought us together to be in agreement, not to be in disagreement. And God worked a lot of things. I think we did about 63 broadcasts out of that. That's pretty amazing on a weekly basis on a Sunday night when nobody goes anywhere. It was pretty cool. People would call in, ask questions. People would come and... And it was like a sports bar thing, except it was a spiritual thing. It was pretty cool. But these people, they said, you know what? We, we want to go where there's agreement and where there's unity. Where there's agreement, there's unity. We're united in something. We need to be united in the will of God, what God wants to do, come together and be united in that. In Psalm 30, 133, look at the 133rd Psalm. This is what the psalmist writes. And he's, he gives us a, an insight to a very important principle. In Psalm 133, David says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell or live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collars of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing 
even life evermore. He says, you want to know what the real anointing is? It's like the, the anointing oil that's poured on the head, even air. The high priest's head runs down to the beard, down from the head to the praise team, to the ushers, to the teachers, to the greeters, to the congregation, to the whole robe, the anointing that, that, that does everything. He said, that's when unity is found. When we can dwell or live together, we can function together in unity. You know, you can be friends with somebody, but how many know that even like, for instance, husband and wife, and you know, we were dating, everything was great, and then there was a honeymoon time, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. He puts the toilet paper on backwards. It's supposed to, the flap's supposed to be out. That was the first disagreement that Sandy and I had. I went and, I mean, it didn't make any difference to me. It's like, whatever, wherever the flap is, you just grab it, you know. But, oh, no, you had to have it out. So finally asked, why? He says, because when it's dark, you can find it. Oh, well, that makes sense. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, we'll have the flap out. <laughs> you know? And so all these different things, and so sometimes it gets a little tough because you find in all the things that you disagree on where before it didn't matter. Why? Because you weren't living together. But when you live together with somebody, then those little things start to be, make a big difference, right? Well, see, when we live together as believers move in him, work together in him, and, and we have close relationships together because we're working for him, then the little things become the things that can divide. And really, they're just small things. You know, they're just small things. But he says, unity, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. How many parents do we have that have more than one child at home? Yeah, that's what qualifies. You have to have more than one child for this to qualify. So whenever they get to fighting... And bickering, what do you want? You just want them to be quiet. Don't fight, right? So is it any surprise that God says how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity? You know, just don't be arguing and fussing and fighting. See, when there's division and envy and strife and division among us, Paul says, are you not carnal and walk as men? Yeah, you know, we let our flesh come out. And that's where the devil gets in and he can cause division. He works on that. Boy, he'll work hard. Yeah, see there? And they didn't even look at you when you walked in the church. <laughs> what? You know, maybe they're looking someplace else. And we let all these little things, you know, start to bother us. And, and we get to thinking. Our mind then begins to think on discord rather than on agreement and unity. So he says that this is it's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collars of his robe. It's a full anointing through the whole body of Christ when there's unity in the body. And he says, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. There's about 100 miles difference between Mount Hermon and Mount Zion. On Hermon, there was always snow up on there. In fact, it's kind of what the word means, is snow-capped. And it was beautiful, it was lush all the time because there was always dew on the, mount, on the mountain. And stuff. But in, Z in Zion, on Mount Zion, most of the time when people would come to celebrate the festivals and stuff, it was in a dry, dusty time. And it was like, not very pretty. I mean, Jerusalem's out through that whole area. We've been there a couple of times and it's just dry and dusty. It's not really pretty. But if the dew from Hermon and that lushness would come on Mount Zion, it's just so nice, It'd be so comforting. You know, have you ever been... Down here in August when it's just so hot and humid and, and it's just, uh, you just think, oh my goodness, it's horrible. And you think, if I could just be in the mountains of Colorado where there's outdoor air conditioning and it's about 65 degrees in August, you know, and you're about nine or 10,000 miles up and it's just so nice and pleasant. 
Wouldn't that be nice if it was here? That's what he's saying. That's how, well, that's the difference. Instead of dry and dusty and horrible conditions, it's refreshing and it's joyful and it's, it's nice. That's the difference in unity and disunity. And so he says, and here is where the Lord bestows blessings. If we want to be blessed individually, collectively, people, we've got to have unity. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Turn over there and let's look at verses 11 through, through oh, 14 or so in verse 4 because he has a lot to say there. Talks about really that God has given ministry gifts to help bring about unity and that we're to grow up into unity and, and not just be tossed. And every time a wave or a trial comes and hits us that we just, we're tossed here and there, whatever, that we begin to work some stability and unity together and we become supporting ligaments that hold the body together. People, the body depends upon each one of us being united together and being faithful together, holding the body together. Amen. You ever think about it? You can't have church if you don't show up. So really? Yeah, and you can't have church if God doesn't show up. And God doesn't want to show up when there's a bunch of disunity. Right? And you know how great it is when there's unity in the body and people will come to worship the Lord and exalt Him and be excited that, to see one another in church? That's, that's like, yeah, that, it was good. It was pleasant because we were dwelling in unity. Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He doesn't say anything else about make every, every effort to keep anything else. He doesn't say make every effort to keep your faith strong. Make every effort to, to shout real loud. Make every effort to dance as high as you can whenever you can. No, he doesn't say any of that. He says make every effort to keep the unity in the bond of peace. Wow. Then verse 11 it says, it was he, Jesus, gave these ministry gifts to the body. He says, it was he who gave some apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, be encouraged, be built up, learning how to keep the unity, how to walk in the unity. Verse 13, until, he says, that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. That's the whole purpose. That's why that God gave... Five ministry gifts was so that we could be built up in the unity. Till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. And we'll always be growing in that. People, that's what we have to learn. Then he says, then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by, every way, by the waves. All these trials that come won't be just tossed here and there. He says, and, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, that's how we're to speak to one another, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From, here the, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligaments, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It can only happen when there's unity. Now God has given us this 16th verse of the fourth chapter as really as a mandate this year that we're to be supporting ligaments to build ourselves up and build this church up in love and to build it up in a place that people come and be, are united, that the harvest can come in. 
that people of all walks of life and all social standards can come into this house and find the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and, and be set free and be encouraged and be built up in unity and in the, the unity of the faith and begin to grow. We've got to be in unity. We've got to be united to say, you know what? We're going to, that's what our desire is. That's what our goal is. That's what our purpose is. That God be exalted and really that we speak the word of God with boldness and, let, and God would stretch forth his hand to heal and to perform miracles. I'm going to simplify my prayer. When I was praying this morning, you know, asking God, okay, God, what I want you to do? Lord, help me to speak your word with boldness, stretch forth your hand to heal, and perform miracles, miraculous signs in amongst your people. That's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm going to ask for. And if every one of us could do that, can you imagine? We would change our, it would change our lives. It'd change our households. It'll change our work environment. It'll change our world. It'll change this church. Wow. Can you imagine when we came together in unity, what would happen? When they did that, it says the place where they were gathered was shaken. Wow. That's cool. What would you do if all of a sudden, because we're down here in Texas, you know, we don't have earthquakes. I guess. I haven't ever... There was an earthquake here. I felt one in L.A. one time. But wouldn't that be cool if we... Yes, Jesus. You wouldn't even have to dance. Just let the Holy Spirit shake you. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. We need to walk in unity. We must walk in unity. And you see what can happen when the body of Christ is walking in unity? God shows up. And when he shows up, he shakes that place and says, yes. I think that's why he was shaking, because God just gave a big, yeah. And that's how we do it. He's like, yes. And then when God does that, it just shakes the whole place. Well, the first, so first step is to go to the right place. When they got out of jail, they went to church. That's what we ought to do. When things get tough, we ought to come to church. Amen. Amen? That's what I said. When, when we get sick as a kid, mama, take us, get us prayed for. Amen. We need to come to the house of God. Step two, go to the right person. We see that in verse 24, it says, When they heard this, they raised their voice, voices together, they're in unity, in prayer to God. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. They went to God. He's the right person to go to. We see the direction of the prayer. God was recognized immediately. The first thing they did, they recognized God. And, and they, as they go through this, they, they respected him supremely. You know, you're the supreme being. He was revealed truthfully. He was, it says that he was the creator in verse 24. Verse 25 and following, he's the protector. We see him as their enabler in verses 29 through 30. Enable us to do this, they say. Man, that's the direction of their prayer. God, in fact, Jesus, he said, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's what he taught us, us how to pray, and that's what they did. The first person that they went to was God. And they say, hallowed be your name. You are the creator of all things. You are the protector of all things. You are the enabler of all things. Now, God, uh, create in us what needs to be created. Protect us, Father, from whatever the enemy has sent, and enable us to speak your word with boldness and to do work signs and, and wonders through your name. Wow. The declaration of their prayer was, now, Lord, consider their threats. He says, and then they said, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I'm sorry, I was saying boldness, but they said great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Then 
Not only did they go to the right place, they went to the right purpose, or went to the right, uh, right place, to the right person, but they also, and the third step is that they went, uh, they go for the right purpose. Why do we go to church? Because I have to. Yeah, we used to say, do I have to go to church? No, we get to go to church. Amen. Ever hear your kids say, well, do I have to go to church today? No, but you get to go to church today. No, go for the right purpose. It says, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We ought to leave this place with boldness to speak God's word for whatever need uh, presents itself, whatever is necessary in our life. We ought to be able to proclaim the word of God in that circumstance, in that situation, and see God move. Amen. That's why I come to church, because this is the... This is the, the, the base of operation. This is our halftime, so to speak. This is where we get encouraged and strengthened and get direction on what we need to do. We walk out those doors to the field of labor to go out and, and to do what he's called us to do. And it takes direction. It takes insight. It takes protection upon us. It takes him working through us and him enabling us. We need to be filled with the Spirit Amen. when we go from this place. You ought to come with the purpose of being filled with the Spirit of God. So that we can make it through the, the week, the rest of the week till Wednesday. And come back Wednesday and get a refreshing, amen, to get over the hump. And get us into the weekend, amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. I'll say amen. You know, so they, they, they went for the right purpose. And they begin to see, we see in verse 24, we see the power of praying collectively in verse 24. Then we see the power of praying honestly in verse 27. In verses 29 through 30, we see the power of praying specifically. In verse 31, we see the power of praying expectantly. We saw the place shaken because they expected God to move and for God to show up. They had, there was a power of praying personally. When we have this personal opportunity to come before the throne of grace and to obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's what God has given us a personal invitation. And when we do that, we exercise that, but yet we do it collectively as well. There's nothing like it on the face of the earth. You know, I used to, there was a time in my life I got mad at church. I guess it was right after we got married, there were some things came up, so I got mad. So I just decided, fine, I can pray at home. I won't have anybody to bother me, anybody looking at me, anybody wondering what I'm doing. I can just pray at home. I can put me a sermon on, and I can find the preacher I want to find. I can be fed the way I want to be fed. I can put some worship music on, and I can have my own worship at home. And you know, I never did that. It's amazing. I never did that. Why? Because it was my will. So I could do it if I wanted to, but then I found myself, I guess, I didn't realize it, I guess I just found myself not wanting to. I became miserable. You can be, because I was miserable, <laughs> and it just kept getting worse. Why? Because I wasn't going to the right place. I wasn't going to the right person. I wasn't going for the right purpose. It was me. I was going to please me. I can do what I want to do. Oh, and so God says, then fine, go on, big boy. Go do what you want to do. You're just on your own. And you know what I noticed was there's a big difference when it's on my own, when the Spirit of God is not there. And even on my own, when the Spirit of God is there, that's great, but there's something different when collectively the body of Christ is in one mind and in one accord and God moves. Amen. God shows up. People, you want to have fun spiritually. 
Let God show up at your prayer meeting. Amen. Amen. So that's why we need help in prayer. Because we don't know what to pray. We don't know the will of God. We think we know the will of God, but maybe that's our will and not God's will. We need to talk to him. We need to have some direction. We need some insight. I need something to let me know what is God's will. I can read his word and I discover the general will of God, the universal will of God. And I can come down to his will for my life, but I need to know in this situation for this this circumstance right here, what is his will right now for this? And how do we know that? Well, I'll fast and pray. Well, that's good. Starve yourself to death. Maybe, I mean, it, it'll help, but what's the whole thing? Here's a key. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans eight twenty six. You might have verse 28 underlined because we always quote Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to those that, are, that love God and are called according to his purpose, right? But you know how they got to verse 28? They had to go through verse 26 and 27 to get to verse 28. And he says in verse 26 of Romans chapter 8, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Our weakness? We do not know what we ought to pray for. That's our weakness. Do you think the devil knows your weakness? He knows all about you. He knows our weakness. It's no secret that people don't know what to pray for. Hello. And we thought we were keeping it a secret. We thought we were fooling everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm praying. Bless God, I'm praying. I'm praying for you. Well, great. Are you praying God's will for me? Amen. You know? And we, so we hide it from everybody. And we, we get good at this. We're great hiders of thinking we know the will of God. And we are all spiritual. And we know all the things to, and all the ways to act, to act spiritual and walk spiritual, to, to pray spiritually <laughs> and all these things, you know? But do we really know the will of God? We don't know what, we don't always know what we ought to pray for. That's what Paul says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us. Oh, wait a minute, the Spirit helps us? When Jesus was going away, they said, oh, don't leave us, Jesus. You're going to leave us as orphans. We won't have anybody to, to tell us what to do, to tell us where to go, to tell us what God's will is. You've been doing that. Don't leave us. You'll leave us as orphans. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He said, I'm going to pray. And ask the Father to send you another comforter, a counselor. The one who will, who will guide you into all truth. In fact, greater things than these shall you do because he's coming. Excuse me? What? Somebody greater than Jesus? Well, maybe someone that's maybe equal to Jesus but comes to make us then with the same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, is what the Bible says. And it shall quicken, make alive your mortal body. Wow. Then we, you think we need this? Absolutely. So he says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But, everybody say but. That's what gets in our way most of the time, all these buts. Well, I would do but, I don't know. I would do this but, I don't know this. I would do such and such but. And why don't you do, well, I would go ahead and, anyway. So he says, we do not know what to pray, what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, intercedes, stands in the gap, intercedes for us praying that we would come along and catch this thing, intercedes for us 
with groanings that cannot be expressed. He's praying for us. Wow. That's cool. You know, God gave us the secrets of the kingdom of God. Do you know all the secrets? Do you think the Holy Spirit does? Yes. Do you want to know the secrets? Yes. Then we just got to ask. You got to ask him. You don't have because you don't ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask is ask, seek, and knock. That's how you spell ask. A-S-K. Ask. S-seek. Okay, knock. Ask. You keep on asking. You keep on seeking. You keep on knocking. As the Holy Spirit guides us into all these secrets of the kingdom of God. And these secrets then reveal His will specifically for that situation and that circumstance. Amen. Of how we become overcomers and we conquer whatever weapon that's formed against us. It can't prosper. It can't succeed because God has, is working in us. He's working through us. Greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. Amen. 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 So he says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, not some power that you get a hold of, not some force that you get a hold of, but a person that wants to get a hold of you. If you've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't know what your situation was or circumstance was, but I remember when I was younger, I used to think, I need to get the power. Get the power. I want to get the power. And I just was tearing. You know, you tarry for the Holy Spirit. And I tarried and tarried and tarried and tarried and nothing happened because I was trying to get the power. When I just turned loose and let the person get a hold of me, wow, 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 that was so cool because I thought something was going to, some power was going to come in and knock me out. I'd be unconscious and I'd wake up sometime later and people say, oh my goodness, you should have seen what happened. Really? Wow, sorry I missed it. <laughs> When the person gets a hold of you, it's him, and he wants to live in you. In him, we live and move and have our being in him. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts, who's searching our hearts? God. He knows the very thoughts and intents of our heart. God's always searching our hearts. That's why when he says to the seven churches, every time he says to these seven attitudes of the churches that are, uh, that are, are people today, he says, I know your deeds. I know your works. I know your works. Why? Because he's searching our hearts. So he says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. You think God the Father, the creator of all things, knows the mind of the Spirit? They're one together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They all know what's up. And it says... And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, and what was the Spirit doing? He was praying for us, right? He was interceding for us. And it says the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with what? God's will. So God even solves that problem. When we don't know how to pray, he says just pray in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. And he wants to intercede for us. Because God knows how important it is for us who he's delegated dominion and authority, who he has restored in this position on earth. And whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It, it, it's all pivotal with us. What we do and what we say and how we pray. And so the devil knows that we're weak because we don't even know. And we'll get selfish and we'll pray according to our will. And God will sit back going, oh my goodness, here we go again. But when we yield and say, okay, I surrender my authority and what's been given to me. I give it up 
and I become a listener. And Holy Spirit, you then pray through me. I surrender my point, my time to the gentleman and allow him to speak for me. Ever see these congressmen when they speak on the House floor? We've got to sit in on some of those, and they have, you know, each one of them's been allowed a certain amount of time, and they recognize their authority over that state, you know, that they're representing, and they can speak. But if they so choose, they can say, I surrender my time to so-and-so, to Gabe. Let Gabe speak. Oh, really? Well, then it has to be honored because I'm the one that had that authority. I surrendered to, to Gabe. Now, Gabe has the authority I gave to him. When we surrender that and give it back to the Holy Spirit now and allow the Holy Spirit to pray for us, the devil can't do nothing about it. He's always there. What's he doing? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's there picking apart our, our prayers. Oh, they're praying for themselves. They're being selfish. You can't honor a selfish prayer. And he's picking our prayers apart, right? But when the Holy Spirit prays, with the groanings that can't, Satan, first of all, Satan doesn't even know what he's saying. And God says, yep. So let it be done. Amen. Yep, do it. Let's do it. Come on, angels, I need about uh, 15 of y'all for this one. There they go. Wow, isn't that cool? People, we need to learn this. And then we need to function in unity. And the Holy Spirit is grieved when we fuss and fight and when we're dis in disagreement with one another. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. He's the one that comes and knows the will of God. Why would we want to grieve him, run him off? Hello. Why would we want to, you know, you could sit there and be picking apart this sermon and not, well, you know, who does he think he is telling me how I ought to pray? I know you're not doing that, but I'm just saying you could be doing that. Well, you'd yeah. grieve the Holy Spirit. You'd gr grieve the Spirit of God from whatever he has to say. My dad used to say, take in the hay and spit out the sticks. I was like, well, why even listen to him? Because if the Word of God comes, there's something there I can get. So I'm going to be in agreement with the Word of God that's being preached. I don't have to be in agreement with that person, but in agreement with the Word of God that's being preached, and I'm going to get it. And then the Holy Spirit will work it in me. Oh, really? Okay, I'm going to take in the hay and spit out the sticks. I'm going to take in what I need. Maybe somebody else needs it, but don't get like that one guy and just keep throwing it over to the person behind you thinking, no, oh, they need this a whole lot more than I do. You know, we might need a little of it ourselves. Amen. Amen. So when we pray, let's let the Holy Spirit pray through us. And as he does, let's pray then, Lord, give us the, an understanding. Paul said, I pray in the Spirit, but I pray with the understanding. So what we have to do, why? Why should we have to have the understanding to it? If he's praying and it's praying the will of God, why do we need to have, understand it? So we can add our agreement to it. Who is it that God delegated the authority to? To us. The bottom line is then we have to understand what the Holy Spirit is praying. We have to understand the will of God so we can call it done and then have others add their agreement to it. That's why that when the Holy Spirit moves in a corporate sense in the manifestation gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when the gift of, of uh, tongues is used, tongues, it tells us in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians that tongues is for speaking to God, not to man. Man didn't understand that, but it's for speaking to God. And so it's a prayer. How do you speak to God? You speak to him in a prayer or in a praise or in a thanksgiving. So then when that happens, then there needs to be interpretation so that everybody can add their agreement and be in unity. And when the whole body of Christ is in unity, what happens? We're all filled with the Spirit. The place is shaken. Where that's what happened to them. We had our agreement to that. That's in that gift alone. 
So we add our agreement to it. That's why that is necessary. That, you know, that the prayer goes forth because he wants us to pray, to bind, to loose, or whatever, or a praise to him to remind us of who he is. You are the creator of all things. Nothing is too difficult for God. Sometimes that's what we need to hear. We need to be reminded of that again so that when we pray in our individual times, that's right. I was reminded today by the Spirit of God that God is high and lifted up. He is holy. He is the creator of all things. And he's the one that can sustain us and enable us. Sometimes it's a praise that goes up before God. Or a thanksgiving to remind us that he's done it. Thank you, oh God, for what you have done. How you have met the needs. And here we go. And, and that we're thankful for that. And it reminds us that God does hear and answer prayer. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. I don't know if you do or not, but I do. I need to be reminded, you know, there still is a God. He's still on the throne and he still hears and answers prayer. Thank him for that. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. That's not the only gift. There's, 12, there's nine gifts of the Spirit, but I'm talking about that one being used in that particular way. But in our individual prayer lives, when we're filled with the Spirit, then we pray in the Spirit. And Paul said, I pray with the understanding so that I can add my agreement to what is being prayed so that I know what I'm praying for. I'm praying specifically. Then I have that expectation that what I prayed for is going to happen because it was the will of God. And I have the faith to believe that it's the will of God that it's going to happen. How many of you would like to have a little confirmation when you pray and say, that's right, Tiffany, that's right, that's the will of God. And if it's the will of God, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. He goes, all right, praise God, it's going to happen. Guess what's gonna, what God's going to do? Guess what God's going to do? Amen? That's the kind of expectation we need. Well, he says there that at the verse 31, they were all filled with the, with the Spirit, all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Wow. With confident assurance, speaking out his word. In, verse, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, Paul tells us the necessity of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled means to be piloted, governed, completely controlled. Isn't that what we need? We need someone to pilot us. You know, we could just get all off course. And, and, you know, just be lost. What's the lady that was flying around the world? And Emily Earhart, yeah. And um, Amelia Earhart, excuse me. Amelia Earhart. And, and they say now they think that her guidance system just got off just a fraction. And she just kept going further and further and further away until she was out of, the, you know, out of touch. And she just crashed. You know, sometimes we just, we're off just a little bit. And we're just kind of just moving. But the further you get down there... It's further away. It's how I play golf. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only off like a 32nd right up here at the ball. But as you move that thing, every foot, there's another 32nd. By the time it gets 100 yards down there, it's like, that's why I quit playing golf because they don't mow the grass where I, where I hit it. <laughs> but it is a holy game, so I might revisit it. Verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul is telling us something here. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. So he says, be careful. You need to be wise. If we're going to be wise, we need, we need to know what the will of God is, right? Be not unwise, but wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We're living in evil days even more so than ever before. If there's ever a time that we needed to be wise and understanding and know what the will of God is, it's now. 
When we pray, we don't have time to miss it. We're not playing golf. <laughs> you don't get a mulligan. You know what a mulligan is? Come with me, I'll show you what a mulligan is. That's when you get another try. You know, you get a freebie. You know, okay, I get another shot. I get a freebie. We don't have time for that. We need to hit it. We need to hit the mark when we pray. The days are evil. It says, making the most of every, every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How are we going to do that? Yeah, ask. Allow the Holy Spirit to show us. Ask, just pray. Pray in the Spirit. Understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine in which leads to debauchery or further involvement in just sensual desires and pleasures. We need to be, instead of being under the influence of some substance, we need to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He says, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit then influence you. Affect the way you walk instead of, you know, like that or whatever. And, and affect the way you talk instead of slurring your speech, speaking what the, what the Holy Spirit says. Instead of affecting your senses the way that alcohol or a substance would affect you, let the Holy Spirit influence you. Yes. Be intoxicated on the Spirit of God that He will pilot you, govern you, completely control you. You are under His influence. And then, that's what he says, therefore, he says, do not get drunk with wine, or on wine, which leads to debauchery, further sensual pleasures, getting just, in, just indulging in further sensual pleasures, be filled with the Spirit, so we indulge in spiritual things. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. That's a song unto the Lord. I, you know, just singing in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit. I sing in the Spirit. Singing, making music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. A lot of times, we don't know how we can do that. We can't. It's not possible in our own self, in our own language. But under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we can give God, thanks to God for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that's not a suggestion. That's a command and he stamps it with the approval, the authority of in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a suggestion. He says, be filled with the Spirit. People, that's something that's daily. Paul tells the Corinthians, he said, we've all been baptized by one Spirit into the body of Christ. We've all been baptized by one Spirit, and we've all been made to drink of that same Spirit. There's a difference in being baptized and drinking. How many of you have been baptized by water, in water? Did you drink that water? Bill probably did. <laughs> it wasn't for drinking, it was for being baptized. So there's a difference. Some people think, well, you know, you get everything when, you, when you're born again. When you're immersed into the body of Christ, then you get everything. No, I'm just, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's his, the outward work of the Holy Spirit, that he immerses me into the body of Christ. There's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gives me a conscience that recognizes certain things. But even in that, I need to be filled with the Spirit. And that's something daily. You say, well... I was way back in 2000 or way back in the 90s or in the 80s or the 70s or some of you longer than that. Great. I took a drink of water yesterday too, but I'm thirsty today. 
You can live 40 days without food, but you can't live, live four days without water, especially if it's in a, time, if it's in a situation where you're dehydrating. We're living in, the e in evil days, in the end days, where our spirit is being dehydrated by the circumstances, the, the environment of the spirit around us, and we need to drink of him we need to jesus said if you drink of me you'll thirst no more and from your bellies will flow rivers of living water amen i almost started speaking in tongues and said from your belly flows livers of living water <laughs> wouldn't want to say that you don't want your liver to be flowing out but i tell you sometimes i thought i lost my gizzard when i was <laughs> filled with the spirit amen from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the, our innermost being and our spirit, when that praise comes up to God, you know that you know that you know that you've been in his presence and that you've touched God. People, we need that. We need that. We won't survive without that. Say, so, well, what are you doing today, Pastor? I'm trying to salt your oats. <laughs> I'm trying to get you thirsty so that you want a drink from the Holy Spirit, that you want him in every aspect of your life. But people, we've got to have him in, in our prayer time. He helps us, and he helps us pray effectively. James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. He says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. But he was a man just like us. So that means that we could do that if that's what was needed, if that was the will of God. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How many of you are righteous today? Amen. Absolutely, we're all right. If you're a child of God, you are righteous because you've been declared righteous. Not by what you did, but by, because of what Christ did for you. That's called the doctrine of justification. Just as if you'd never sinned. Justification. That he says that what, when Christ died on the cross, God sees you dying on the cross. When Jesus paid the price for your sin, Jesus, he said, it's finished, it's finished. And God says, okay, I accept that. So therefore, here's his legal command and demand that's over you and nothing can change it. He says, I declare you to be righteous. You are free from the penalty and guilt of sin. You're free from it. You are righteous. Amen. So we are righteous. So the effective, fervent prayer from us is powerful. It's effective. We need to use it. Now the way we make, bring that righteousness into our everyday life is through sanctification. Where we then put off the old man, the sin, and this new man that's been declared righteous in us, we live according to him, according to the word of God. And we walk then in according to the word of God we sanctify ourselves we set ourselves apart then to be to the praise of his glory we set ourselves apart to live a righteous life according to what he's already declared us provisionally in the reckoning of God we have been delivered from the penalty and guilt of sin positionally in our life we need to make it real and active every day when we walk and live that life are you understanding that Amen. that's some doctrinal teaching right there that will set you free it doesn't mean that we have a license to do whatever we want to do. No, we're to die from ourselves and not do what we want to do. Paul said that in, in, in Romans chapter 7. He says, the things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. In other words, he said, I want to live a right life, but I find myself not being able to live that right life. And what I don't want to do, the sin that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this? And he says, I thank God through, through 
Jesus Christ, my Lord. Through him, when I live in him, and I set myself apart through sanctification to live this life of, for Christ, then that's when I begin to live the life that God has declared me already to be righteous in. And I bring my walk up with my standing. My standing is I'm, I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. That's my standing. But my state is, I got a long way to go. So every day I set myself apart to become who I really am in Christ. The Christian life is not about behaving. It's about becoming. You can never behave enough to be righteous, but you can become like Jesus Christ and you will live a righteous life. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us and guide us in every aspect of our life. And people, we've got to pray together. We as a church need to bind together and pray. Can we just spend the rest of the time this morning doing that? We've got about 18 minutes before 12 o'clock. 18 minutes. Could you give 18 minutes to the Lord today? I'll ask our ushers to maybe bring those little benches in from the foyer out there. Let's just place them up here. We'll just make an old altar. How about that? Can we just build an altar? in the church today and then come and if it this fills up like we used to do we'd get on a pew or a row of chairs well these are great today i remember when they were old splintered wooden things and you, you might get a splinter in your elbow or something like that we got padded chairs today we got padded altars we got a hard floor but that's okay <laughs> and and come to pray and pray and ask God, okay, and pray in the Spirit and ask the Spirit of God to pray through you. Holy Spirit, you pray through me so that it's not my will, but it's your will. Your will be done. God, change me. We always want God to change somebody else or change this situation. Change this situation, Lord. Change this, change that. No, change me, Lord. Just change me. And if I need to be changed so that that, that works out better, then fine. Just change me, Lord. Make, don't make my, my trial smaller. Make me bigger. How about that? Because the only thing that we really have authority over is ourselves, And so we need to say, Lord, you don't have to make my trial smaller so I can get over it. Just make me bigger so it's just an easier step. I'm going to ask, get, oh, Gabe's already here. So let's just lead us in worship. But let's pray together. And I, I want us to find a place to pray. You can come through this area over here. There's a couple of rows of chairs over there. There's chairs on the front. There's chairs right wherever, you know, but I think it would be good to at least come forward at least one row, <laughs> like we're actually making an advance. We're making an effort, amen, to come and say, God, move in me. I, I want what you have. And you know, he he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for those people back then, he'll do it for us. Can we pray together? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful today that you love us, that you care about us, that you want the best for us, Lord, that you want the best for this church, that there's a lost and dying world out there that needs you, and we are to be your hand extended, but Father, we need your power in us and your direction and your will. Father, today, move upon us that when we speak, that we would speak your word with boldness. When we witness, when we pray, Father, that it would be with confident assurance of your will. 
take me, Lord. I'm yours. Take me today. I'm yours. I surrender afresh and anew. If you're here today and you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Most of the time it's us. We're the ones that move because God wants us. He loves us and he wants to walk side by side with us and help us in everything. We need to draw close to him. I encourage you to do that. Just to invite him in and just give yourself a fresh and new to him. If you're not sure today of your eternity, if you're not sure today of where you're going to spend eternity, if when you think of death and dying, if question marks come up in your mind, you're not sure that you're a child of God, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm really not sure that I'm, that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. But I want to. I want to be assured of that. Is anybody here today, you're not sure of eternity? Just raise your hand. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, come and seek God. And, and just by faith, the same way that you receive Christ by faith as your Savior, just receive the Holy Spirit to help direct you and be your comforter and your counselor. Amen. Amen. So wherever you are, just to be in prayer. Whatever your posture is, it's fine. If you feel like walking, if you feel like standing, if you feel like sitting, if you feel like kneeling, the thing is, is the posture.